Let's try this. There we go. That's what we call user error, and I'm the user who made the error. So there we go right there. Sorry about that. Anyways, well, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Um, my message today is simply titled this, Created for Community. And so we've been in a series called Work in Progress. And so here's what it is. We're a work in progress. God created us for community. And so we want you to get connected here in the life of our church. So I'm going to close in prayer. That's it. That's all I have to say. No. <laughs> you could only be so lucky. You're stuck with me a little longer this morning. But, you know... The truth is we need community. We were created for community. I remember years ago when I was a youth pastor, we would take our youth group to Magic Mountain all the time. And it was, usually, it was twice a year. We'd go to the Christian worship nights that they would have at Magic Mountain, and we would go there. And, and I remember, uh, this was a long time ago, I'm going to date myself here, but there was a roller coaster that just opened up called Goliath. Does anybody know Goliath? You know what I'm talking about, Goliath out there? Um, and I, I saw a lot of people with gray hair like me waving their heads, yes. Um, well, back in the day, Goliath was like the tallest roller coaster in the world to open, and it was like one of the fastest, and it just was like this freaky thing. That, and I remember the, the students and my wife, and everybody like, you got to go on Goliath, and I did not want to do it. I, I do have a little fear of heights, and I did not want to do Goliath. And so we were waiting in the line. And while we were waiting in the line, I mean, literally, it took forever. It, it, it was about a 30, 40 minute wait, but it felt like five hours to me. It really did, because all I was doing was looking at each one going up, and I was just hearing the screams of people coming down. And it just was just like, I, and I knew something was going to go wrong. We were going to be the one where it was going to go off the tracks or something crazy like that. And I was just so freaked out. With these students in line, I had tears coming down my face. A little embarrassing. But they were all cheering me on. They're like, you can do this. Come on. It's going to be incredible. And I'm telling them, I can't do this. I don't want to go on that. And, you know, I was kind of hamming it up a little, but I was scared, truly scared. And so we got on the ride, and, you know, I sat in my coffin. I mean, I sat in my seat, and they, 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 they put the thing over you and everything that basically is like, you know, like there's no way out now kind of a thing. And I, I literally, I still have a couple tears coming out. I'm just, I'm really afraid. I don't know why this ride just was freaking me out. And so, but everyone's cheering me on. And they're like, you can do this, Rick. You can do this. I got my wife next to me. And she's like, yes, it's going to be awesome. Come on. And so we're going up the hill. And like every click on that hill was like a nail in my car. <laughs> And then like every click, just it was like in slow motion, and it took forever to get to the top. And we got to the very top, and we were cresting, and I could see Arizona from there. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was that high up. On a clear day, might be able to see the East Coast. It was so high up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, and I'm literally freaking out. But everyone's cheering around me, and we start going down the hill, and this was it. This is where I was going to die. I knew it was going to happen. This was the moment. And we start going down the hill, and this crazy thing happens. All of a sudden, we get down the hill, and we start going up on the next hill, and I realize I'm going to be okay. And I went from this, oh, my gosh, to, yeah, just cheering, and my arms were in the air, and we got off that ride, and I was so pumped, and I was hoping everyone would forget that I was acting like a baby in line, and they did not. They teased me for it, but they 
wanted me to know that I could do it. They cheered me on. And the reality is sometimes we need a community like that. We need people cheering us on to do the things that we don't think we can do. And when we experience it, it's better than we ever thought because those people were there with us cheering us on. Well, you know, here's the thing. The last two years has been very hard for many of us to have a community. It's been tough. In fact, we have been so isolated that, you know, maybe we've spent more time with ourselves than we ever intended to do. And we wonder why we feel the way we do. We wonder why we're tired of phrases like social distancing, quarantine, self-isolation. Anybody tired of these phrases? I'm tired of these phrases. And, and the thing is, is that we, you realize there's something missing when you're alone, when you're not with the community. Now, during COVID, my wife and I tried to find ways to find community over the last couple of years whenever we had to be isolated or quarantined or work from home. And one of the communities that we found was this incredible community called The Office TV show. Um, <laughs> and I am telling you, every night before we go to bed, we watch a couple episodes and it was like hanging out with our friends. It was like our little community and we would laugh and have a good time. I, I, I heard from this one guy um, who said, uh, you know, he was asked, hey, what are you doing while you're working from home or while you're, you're isolated? He says, I watch, I watch Netflix. And, they said, and, and someone asked him, well, what, did, what show did you watch? He said, I watched Netflix, <laughs> all of it. Um, <laughs> the thing is, we are all looking and starving for community, whether we realize it or not. We want to connect with people. We were created for community. We weren't created to be isolated. And so on Connect Sunday, my hope and my prayer for you today is that you will be reminded of the importance of community in your life. I was reading this interesting article this week. Um, it's an article that's put out by like a group of psychologists who get together and they talk about what's going on in our world. And I want to read a couple of things that they noted about what's happening right now. Prolonged isolation can adversely affect physical and emotional health, altering sleep and nutritional rhythms, as well as reducing opportunities for movement. As a result, the natural channels of human expression and pleasure become depressed. I want you to hear this next part. I'm not trying to make a statement because I realize that some of us, you know, there are times when we definitely need to be like quarantined and safe and healthy, but I, I do want you to hear this. We have begun to behave, these psychologists say, as if other people are potentially dangerous for our health and for our health, and, and for the health of our loved ones. This turn of events has cultivated a new universal belief based upon vulnerability to harm, whereby proximity to fellow human beings possesses a direct threat. To date, more and more people are avoiding social relations no longer by imposition, but by choice. Prolonged social isolation characterized by reduced social connections and contact increases the likelihood that depressive symptoms will emerge. Social isolation has been linked to cognitive impairment, reduced immunity, increased risk of cardiovascular disease, and mortality. And it goes on. The point they're trying to make, these psychologists, it's a secular article, was that being isolated and not being in community and having a relationship is not good for you. In fact, what they're saying is what Scripture is saying to us as we read it. It's that we were created for community. 
When we don't have it, we literally start to die. We start to lose the best part of who God is creating us to be. And so as we're in this series, Work in Progress, we all probably can think of, in terms of community, how we can work and become better at embracing community in our life and having relationships in our life, especially right now. But even before these last two years, it is hard for us to connect sometimes. We get wrapped up in our own things, in our own life, and we don't get to know people like maybe we should get to know them. In fact, maybe here at church, you know, I know that I, I have this issue. Sometimes you just, you say hi to people while you're getting coffee or you high five real quick, but you don't take the time to really get to know people. And, and that's not really what authentic community is. You see, God didn't intend for us to live in isolation. He specifically designed for us to crave and thrive in relationship with others. How many believe that out there today? You see, we're at our best when we're experiencing life's highs and lows with others. And that's something that I think that we forget. Maybe we think we're at our best when we make life about ourselves or when we make life about you know, the things that matter most to us. But when we live life with others, when we embrace relationship and community, we are at our best. This means everyone, whether you're married or single, everyone needs community. We were created for it. But I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to look at God's word for just a minute. Now, if I was to ask you a question, little little test, you don't have to answer out loud, you don't have to raise a hand, just think of it. If I was to ask you, what was the first recorded problem in the Bible? Just think of it. What would you think that is the first problem, the first crisis that comes up in Scripture? Think of what's in your head right now, okay? Probably many of you would say the fall of Adam and Eve, probably many, and that's good. That's a a really good guess, but that's actually not the first problem recorded in Scripture. In fact, if you read Genesis chapter 1... By the way, a little um, side note. Did anybody know that baseball's in the Bible? Genesis 1-1 says the big inning. Anyways, um, I had to throw a dad joke in there. People want him. I'm just, I'm just doing it for the people. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for you. Um, and um, there might be a couple along the way, too, still. Um, but if you look at Genesis chapter 1, what do we hear being repeated over and over again? That God saw his creation and said it was what? It was good. It was good. You hear, you hear that over and over again. But then we get to Genesis chapter 2, 18. And no longer does God say it is good. In fact, the words come out, it is not good. Let's look at Genesis chapter 2, 18 right now. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And, of course, God created Eve. In fact, you know how we got the name woman? Because Adam saw Eve and said, whoa, man. All right, anyways. Um, But (laughs) I'm telling you, it's for you guys. It's not for me. All right? You just got to trust me on that one. Um, So the first problem in Scripture was a relational issue, that man was alone. Now, you can place yourself in that story. You were not created to be alone. And so, um, if we look at this, in fact, there's a quote from a church leader that says this, the paradox of our age is that we, we've never been more connected as a culture through social media as we are now, but we've never been more alone as a people. 
The ache of our loneliness today is an echo of the very first problem recorded in the Bible. It's a crisis of relationship and community. See, the bottom line is we were created for community. Are you involved in community right now? Do you have people in your life that you're letting in, that you're having an authentic relationship with? And I want to take this a step further. And I'm sorry, is this getting a little crackly on you guys here? Let's, um, Jesus. You know, Jesus could have done his ministry when he walked the earth by himself. He absolutely could have. He was the son of God, and he could have done whatever he wanted. But he chose to do what? He chose to bring 12 disciples by his side. He chose to do his ministry for about two and a half years in a community with other disciples. And so it, it records in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, where we see Jesus right here. It says, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon and also Peter and Andrew. Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Now, this is the interesting thing. There were all kinds of reasons why they followed Jesus. He was a great teacher. He was a rabbi. They, they probably saw something great in him in that moment. But here's the thing. Jesus had something he was going to teach them. And this is a powerful thing. I believe this is one of the reasons why Jesus had his 12 disciples, amongst other things, was that he was going to teach them the power of community, of being together, of doing ministry and doing life together. Because it wasn't much later in Scripture, in Acts chapter 1, that we read about these very disciples, this very person, Peter, who, who Jesus changed his name from Caiaphas to Peter, which means the rock. And Jesus later on said, I will build my church on this rock. And so here's Peter in Acts chapter 1, literally launching the church as we know it today. Preaches a sermon in Jerusalem, and thousands of people come to Christ, and the church is born. But when it unpacks what community and what the church is all about, it goes a little further. In Acts chapter 2, we learn about the purpose of community, which is fellowship, or the Greek word for it, many of you have probably heard is koinonia, which just basically means fellowship in Christ. And Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, talk about community in the church. All the believers devoted themselves to the disciples' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. Boy, that verse is a little hard for some of us. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I mean, that's a powerful passage of Scripture because that basically is the birth of the church as we know it now. And it birthed out of the 12 disciples. They learned community through Jesus. And when the time was right, he would use that teaching. The Lord would use that teaching, his disciples, to launch the church as we know it today. And so community broke out. Now, I want to talk about, how many of you have seen the movie Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring? Probably most of us, right? It's been a long time since I busted out a Lord of the Rings illustration in a sermon. And I'm like, you know what? I got to dust one of those off and bring it out. So Fellowship of the Ring, here's a picture of them up on the screen. If you've seen it, there they are right there. You can almost hear the music in the background right now playing. 
Fellowship of the Ring. And, um, and by the way, if you've ever wondered what it's like for me to stand next to Pastor Aaron or Kyle, I basically look like the hobbits. That's them behind. That's what I feel like walking around campus all the time. Um, but anyways, we got the Fellowship of the Ring right here. Incredible story of a community of people that were brought together to accomplish a mission, and that was to destroy the ring, one ring to rule them all, right? But what would Frodo have been? You can keep the photo up for just a couple seconds longer. What would Frodo have been had he had not had the fellowship with him? Had he had not had his community, could he have accomplished the thing that he was destined to do? No, he could not. He needed each one of those people that formed a community with him to accomplish the thing, the task, the mission that he was destined for. And that's true for each one of us. Now, you might be sitting out there today or you might be online at home right now thinking, in fact, especially if you're at home right now, I want you to hear me on this. You might be feeling alone right now. Maybe you're here in the auditorium right now, or maybe you're at home, but you feel alone in your life. You feel like you're walking through stuff that nobody understands or nobody cares about. In fact, maybe you're thinking, if people only knew who I really was, would they really like me? Would they really want to get to know me? And so if you're at home right now and you're feeling alone, I want to encourage you in something this morning. If you're sitting here in the auditorium with me right now or outside in our overflow, I want to encourage you right now. The first point that I want you to get today of why community is so important in our life and why we are a work in progress is community reminds us that you are not alone. I can't say this enough to you right now. You are not alone alone. Wherever you are right now in your life, whatever you're feeling on the inside, whatever you're walking through, maybe it's a marital crisis, maybe it's a financial crisis or a health crisis, or maybe it's just you not being happy with yourself. You don't like who you see when you look in the mirror. And you're feeling alone right now. You're feeling like no one sees me. I remember there was this weird season when I was a kid. It was, didn't last very long, but I literally had this season when I was a young kid. Like, I thought I was, like, the only person, and nobody saw me. And it just was this kind of weird thing, and Jesus reminded me, you are not alone as, as a young kid. And I believe that God wants to remind you through community that you are not alone. You see, the enemy wants us to feel alone. He wants us to be isolated. One of the great tactics of war all throughout the history of war is to uh, take away the communication on the other side. If you can take away communication and make um, the enemy or the people you're fighting against feel isolated, they'll lose all day long. The enemy knows if he can isolate you from a community. Take away your communication and your relationship with other people, he's got you. I remember um, one time, this was years ago, I was traveling and, 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 I, and one of the things we did on on this trip was we went in this cave that went deep into the earth, about a mile into the earth, I think. It was pretty far. And we were deep into the earth, and um, the tour guide said, how many here have ever experienced utter darkness? And, um, and we were like, I don't know if we've experienced utter darkness. And so what he did was he turned off the lights in the cave. And I am telling you guys, I have never experienced darkness like this before. I literally put my hand in front of my face doing this, and I could not see a thing. I couldn't see. There was probably 50 people on this tour. I couldn't see any of them, and everyone was being quiet. 
and it felt like I was alone in this cave, deep in the earth. And it actually, and I got scared. And I was like, okay, when are you going to turn those lights back on? You know, are they going to go back on when you flip that switch? Because otherwise, we've got issues here, people. But when he flipped the lights back on, I was reminded that I was not alone. I was surrounded by people, and I felt safe again. And here's the thing. Some of you right now in your life, you're missing community, and you're in a dark place like I just described. It's almost like as if you can't even see your hand in front of your face. It's almost as if you feel like nobody cares about me. And I believe the Lord would want to remind you this morning to embrace a community in your life because he wants to remind you that you're not alone. He wants to say you come out of the darkness into the light. You are a person that is worth getting to know. You are a person that others can love. You are a person that will make a difference in this world. And when you embrace community, you are reminded that you are not alone. I don't know if you were like me, but another kind of kid story, being alone for me was never fun as a kid. And I, was, I went through this little latchkey season where my parents would come home. Um, I'd get home from school and they'd get home a little bit later from work and I'd be in the house for a little bit by myself. And I remember there was many times if my parents were like 10 minutes late from when they said they were going to be home, I all of a sudden thought the rapture happened. I literally thought the rapture happened, I was left, that crayon I stole today or that kid that I told a white lie to, that's what did it, I'm stuck. And I, guys, I went through this over and over again, believe me, I had issues. And, um, and being alone just brought out all these fears. It did. Of course, my mom and dad would come home and I'd be like, yes, the rapture didn't happen, I'm still good. Um, now, if you guys all disappear on me right now, I'm going to feel a little, um, but the bottom line is, is that being alone in our life can be such a dark place. And we've been there a lot lately in our world. We've been isolated and we've been alone. But community reminds us that we are not alone. Verse 43 in Acts chapter 2 just says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. So as they came together, amazing things happened. They realized that they were better together than they were alone. Matthew 18, 20 says it like this. You can see the verse on the screen. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Many of us know that verse, but do we actually believe it? Do we actually practice it? You see, that verse is speaking to community. It's speaking to relationship. It's speaking to doing life with other people. When we are together, the Holy Spirit is there in the midst, and amazing things happen in community. You are not alone. That's my encouragement to you this morning. We were created for a community. Second thing I want you to catch this morning is making the transition from me to we. Making the transition from me to we. Community helps us move from a me mindset to a we mindset. You see, without trying to make life um, about ourselves, we make life about ourselves. It happens naturally. It becomes all about us, my desires, my dreams, my hopes, my clothes, my job, my money, my post on social media, my, 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 me, me, me. We all get there. In fact, probably most of us 
throughout the course of a normal week, we'll have moments where we'll stop and think, oh, man, I should have done that. That was kind of a selfish thing. Or, oh, why am I making it about myself all the time? We tend to live our lives around the idea of a me mindset. What makes me better? But you see, being in community with other believers and making friends and forging relationships that are taking a risk helps us transition from me to we. And let me tell you, that's where God wants us to live. Let's read the Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 46 again. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. I like to call this the we factor. It's about biblical community, authentic community that Scripture says we can have, where we go from being about us to being about others. It's the best place to live. It's what God created us for. He didn't create us to be about ourselves. He created us to be about others. And going from a me thing to a we thing is what it's all about because authentic biblical faith is not just a me thing. It's ultimately a we thing. And that's what God wants to say about community in our life. You see, we can live our lives as two kinds of Christians in church. I said this before, but... I'll say it again. Do we want to be a club-happy church or a kingdom-healthy church? They're two totally different things. You can be a club-happy Christian, and you make it all about what makes you better, all about me. It's an inward focus. Or you can be a kingdom-healthy church or a kingdom-healthy follower of Christ, and it becomes about others. And that builds the kingdom of God. You see, we will never build a club that lasts for eternity, but we can build God's kingdom that will. And that's what God calls us to in community. As we begin to take our eyes off of the me and put it on the we, amazing things begin to happen in our life. You know, I remember one time at Disneyland, it was, it was several years ago, we had taken our kids there, we had our annual passes, and I really had this me moment where I made it all about me, and I was, I was kind of a jerk. It was right before the fireworks show, and I got there early. I told my wife, take the kids off and, and, and do a couple of rides, and I'll save us the best spot right in front of the castle. And so I got a spot in front of the castle, and I put our blanket out. And all of a sudden, this horrific thing started happening. Other people started coming and getting close to me. And I was like, if you even think about taking my space. And so I started like literally taking off things. I took off my jacket. It made it a little longer over here. I took off a shoe and put it over there. Pushed the stroller a little further back because people were just crowding in and crowding in. And, and finally, I literally got, I got like this awkward kind of stance-like thing. Like, I'm just trying to, and, and I just got, I just was like, you can look at me and think, that guy's a jerk. And I realized, like, and, 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 and so finally, you know, like, two minutes before the show started, my wife and kids show up, like, hey, we're here, you know, and I'm like thinking, great, I've been here for an hour and a half just trying to keep this little space that started out so big, and now it's like really small. And I realized when I walked away from the show, like, I could never enjoy the show because I made it all about me in advance. I just kept thinking about how I was and fighting for my little, little plot of land. And it took the joy 
out of that moment. And I think we live our lives that way sometimes. We make our faith in our life all about us and protecting our little space. And I don't want anybody to get close because if they get close, they're just going to mess it up. And what we don't realize in that, it's the dirty little lie from the enemy, is that it takes all the joy out of life. It takes all the purpose out of what we were destined for. You see, God created us for community. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is a habit for some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And many of us know Proverbs 27, 17. I know I'm going through some of these verses rapid fire, but we do have them on the screen. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. You see, connecting to others in community takes our eyes off of ourselves and places it on others. We actually can make a difference in people's lives. And that brings true, true joy and true meaning as we are becoming who God wants us to be, as we are a work in progress to being the people that God wants us to be. I'm, I've told this story before here, so I'm going to tell the short abbreviated version. But when I was in my 20s, I really suffered from anxiety and fear and panic. And I was going to the doctor all the time for physical stuff, thought I was dying of a heart attack. And fear just crept into my life big time probably like a lot of people are in our society today. And I went to the doctor, and the doctor like checked me out a hundred times. I went there so many times. He's like, okay, seriously, you're here again for the same thing. He, and he finally one time just sat me down and said, what do you really want to do with your life? And so I shared with him, you know, the, what I really wanted to do. And he said, well, you, maybe you should start doing that. Get your mind off of yourself and start doing that thing. And it was just simple advice. Well, it was a couple of days after that, I was driving home from work, and I was having a panic attack, and, and I felt the Lord, I'm telling you, it's the closest I've ever heard to an audible voice of God speaking to me, saying, until you take your eyes off of yourself and put it on other people, you're never going to overcome this panic and fear. It was literally the Lord telling me to move from me to we. And so I went, yes, I guess my message is over, let's pray. Um, no, <laughs> kidding. Happens to all of us. Um, um, but I literally got involved in our youth group at our church like that week. And it was just a couple weeks after that that I realized something as I started to just have fun and invest in these kids. I'm like, I, I haven't been afraid. I haven't had a panic. What's going on here? This is amazing. Making that move from me to we, taking my focus off of others and embracing the community in my life began to change my life forever. I'm happy to say it's been 20 plus years since I've had one of those panic attacks. It's amazing. But that's what God does. That's what God does when we move from a me mindset to a we wine, wine set. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a different message. Um, Wow, I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> Some people just got really excited. Um, <laughs> all right, well, we were created for a community. Third point this morning is community is how we achieve unity. You guys know there's more letters in community that spell unity than anything else? Community brings unity. 
It brings the kind of church, the kind of people that God wants us to be. I am telling you, the world is looking at us to see what we do. You know, going back to our main passage this morning, Acts 2.47 says, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of, say it with me, all, all, all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You see, they all came together as a unified front. Community brings unity. Have you ever, um, you know, been rowing or canoeing before? I mean, years ago, I would go with my friend, and and it, it was a joke. He'd row one way, I'd row another way, and we'd never get anywhere because I'd be like, let's go this way, and he'd be like, let's go that way, and, and we, you know, we get in these weird little arguments in a canoe. And, but sometimes that's what we look like as a church to the world. We look like that crazy canoe that's going different directions and tipping over and, and not who we were meant to be. You see, God wants to use community to bring unity, to unite us as one people, because the world is watching us, you guys. They're watching to see, do they really believe what they stand up for? Do they really believe those scripture verses they post? Do they really believe the Bible? The world is watching and they will know by our unity. They will know. And so community is a way that God brings us together. You see, we have two ways we can do church. We have two ways that we can be a people of God. We can be a cruise ship or a battleship. I'm telling you, it's so easy to be that cruise ship where everyone goes off and does their own thing. I'm going to this show, I'm playing games, I'm taking a nap, I'm going to the pool, I'm getting more buffet, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and everyone's doing their own thing. But on a battleship, everyone is about the one thing. Everyone works together. And because they work together, they can defeat the enemy. They are unified on a battleship. When we act like a battleship as a church, we come together as a community and we are unified. There is nothing that we can't do in Jesus' name. There is nothing that God cannot bring us together to do to make a difference in our world. But I'm telling you, the world is watching. They're looking to see how unified we are. Romans 12, verses 4 through 5 says this, for as one body, we have many members, and many members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. You know, um, one of the privileges I've had over the years is taking people on mission trips. And I know we have a team that's going off to, I think, Zambia this summer, and we have other mission opportunities here. You know, I want to encourage you, if you've never served in a community with people before, man, that is where it's at. I have seen people go on mission trips, and, and you don't have to go on a mission trip to experience what I'm about to say, but it does kind of ignite something and accelerate something. I've taken people to Mexico, to Africa, to Asia, to, to Europe, to different countries all over the world on mission trips to do different things over the years, and an amazing thing happens. We always have a couple of people that go on those teams who don't have any community, who are newer and are looking for purpose in life. And they come back from that missions trip after we've served together, like 
unified, on fire for God. They get involved in the church. They become the next generation of leaders because something happened when they served with others. When they unified behind a cause, when it wasn't about comforts anymore, when it wasn't about my interests or what benefits me, but it became about what benefits others, and it became about the mission of Christ and about doing the thing that you were created for with other people, all of a sudden their life changed. I've seen it happen time and time again. You see, community brings unity. Guys, we were created for community. We were created. We are a work in progress. Man, many of us, we, we listen to a message like this and we think, I'm not there yet, or, or I struggle being around other people. Man, I'm right there with you a lot of the time. But it doesn't change the fact that God is working on you right now. He's working on your heart. He's working in your life. He's reminding you the areas where you need to let people in. He's reminding you right now where you need to embrace a community in your life. He's reminding you at home that there are people that want to be in your life again when the time is right. You see, community is what God created us for. Community is fun. It attracts the Holy Spirit. It fosters love. It's life-giving. Community is essential to following Christ. We can't live the full life that God has called us to if we don't live it with others. God wants us to live this life in relationship with other people. Remember that first crisis, that first problem in Scripture was a relationship crisis. We were not meant to be alone. So today we have Connect Sunday. Yay, right? Connect Sunday? Come on. Woo! This is an awesome day in our church, guys. We are launching all kinds of communities. We call them groups here. We have connect groups that will meet in homes that launch this week and in the weeks to come. We have men's and women's Bible studies, all kinds of men's and women's Bible studies, all kinds of different connect groups that meets in homes that are starting. We've got some great groups. In fact, Let me just read through some of them. We have support groups that are launching today about embrace, grief share, celebrating recovery. We have classes that are launching, and some of them are about shifting atmospheres, healthy relationships, financial peace university, foundations, living victorious. Guys, there are all kinds. I I, kind of feel like Oprah right now, like you get a group and you get a group. I mean, I'm just giving out groups right now to everybody in the back row. Catch it. Here it comes. There you go. You get a group up there. The bottom line is we need community. And we have opportunities for community today for you to get involved in. You know, I've got a sheet of paper here. I'm not going to read all these to you, but these are stories right here of how communities in our church, groups in our church have changed lives. I'm just going to read one to you for the sake of time. And where is that one that I was going to read? Oh, here it is. It just says this. I have found a church family at Centerpoint, a Bible study, new friends, and a fellowship. It has been over 20 years since I could say that. Praise God. My own faith has now been reignited, and God is on the move in my life since I started going to this study in January of last year. Guys, we were created for a community. I want to encourage you today. 
go out, check out these groups, see if there's one that connects with you. You don't need to do it alone anymore. Being in community can change your life and the lives of those around you. You see, for a church to grow larger, it has to grow smaller. We have to find community with one another. It is so important. You know, Acts 2.47 is one of my favorite verses about community in the Bible because it just says this, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of church. I want to see numbers added every time we meet, every time we're here at people who are finding Jesus, who are finding community, who are finding out their destiny, what they were created for. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, there was a young gal that came into our youth group, and it's like she brought a presence in with her, and you felt it. Her name was Erin. She came up to me after... This first night she came and she said, I just want you to know that I'm into witchcraft and, my, and, 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 and I'm going to cast a spell on you and, and I'm going to be here every week and, and I'm just going to cause problems and there's nothing you can do about it. And she was waiting for me to say, okay, see you later. You're not welcome back here anymore. And we did the opposite with Aaron. We said, you know what? I'm so glad you're just being real right now. I'm so glad you've come here, and I hope we see you again. And I know she was shocked. Well, she came back the next week. She did the same thing again, not just to me, but to others. And it started to get a little freaky, and some people were like, uh, what do we do? Should we let Aaron keep coming back? Well, we just kept loving her. We, we found our way through the Holy Spirit to love her. We got her in one of our Bible study groups for high school students. And she got in this group. And man, was she difficult. And man, there were so many times that the leaders wanted to say, uh, maybe this isn't the right church for her. And I remember one night after months of being in this community and our youth group surrounding her with love, we had an altar call at the end of service and who comes walking down the aisle with tears in her face? It was Erin. She came and she kneeled and she accepted Christ. I mean, she, she meant every word that came out. And she went around to all of us and said, I can't believe you stuck with me. I can't believe you didn't kick me out. I can't believe that you guys wanted me around. And that next Sunday... She brought in a stack of books to me, and I've never had anybody do this to me before. She said, these are all my books on witchcraft. Right here, I want you to have them, and I want you to burn them. And I said, okay, you guys take these over here. Okay, back. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but she said, I want you to have these books because my life has changed and it's changed because you guys didn't give up on me because the community came around her and the Lord added to our numbers amen Lord we just thank you for today
We thank you for the importance of community, God. We were created for a community. I, I pray, God, you would remind my friends in the audience today that at home watching that they're not alone, God. They're not alone where they're at in their life right now. They can embrace a community even when it seems like all hope is lost. There are people that want to love on them and want to make a difference. And Lord, I pray that you would transition all of us from a me mindset to a we mindset, that we can make a difference in our world. We can change our community, Lord, and that we can do it because community helps to bring out unity, God. As we come together, we realize we're not as different as we thought. And an amazing thing happens, Lord. You begin to add to our numbers. <laughs> People begin to get saved because they find you as their Lord and Savior. And that's what this is all about. That's why you formed your church. And so, God, I pray right now that some of us here today would step into a community for the first time, that we would form connections, that we would step out of our comfort zones, Lord, and we would take a leap of faith into a group that meets in a home or that meets about a specific life issue, whatever it may be, God, I pray that people would leave here today and they would go outside. And, and Lord, that today and in the weeks to come, they would find ways to connect in community here at Centerpoint or wherever, God, you want them to be. And Lord, if anybody's sitting out there today right now, and maybe they heard that story about Aaron, or maybe something today really struck a chord in their heart. And in fact, I just want to say, if there is anyone out there who's like, you know what, I, I feel alone, and I feel alone because I don't even know if I have Jesus in my life right now. I don't, I don't even know what it means to be a Christian. I don't know what all this stuff means, but I'm just here and I'm trying to find my way. And so I'm speaking to you right now. If you're out there, I want you to know that there is forgiveness through, this, through Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross for all the things we've done that make us sideways with God, all the sin in our life. There is forgiveness and there is a new beginning and there is hope for you. And you can embrace a community and be who God created you to be. If you're out there today and you're saying, well, this is my moment. I'm going to step into it. I want to be added to those numbers. I want to be someone who follows Jesus with my life going forward. Just raise your hand wherever you're at right now so I can pray for you. And I can't see in the back. I see a hand right here. Yes. Amen. Got a hand right here. Just keep that hand up for a minute because we're going to bring you a Bible in a little bit. We're going to pray for you. Anybody in the back, anybody outside, if you're watching online right now, just simply type in there, I need Jesus. Someone will, someone will pray with you at home right now. Lord, I just pray for anyone who raised their hand this morning, God, that they would just find you as our Lord and Savior. In fact, just repeat after me, I am tired of doing this on my own. I need you in my life, Jesus. Forgive me for the things I've done that I know are not what you created me to do. Forgive me for my sins. And Lord, I just want to embrace a new beginning in my life right now. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name. Well, I'm so thankful that you're here today. And I pray that after church, 
If you don't have a community that you're already in, that you find one as you connect with other people.